Let's open our Bibles today to the Old Testament book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. You can find the twin books there in the first part of the Old Testament. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. We go to First Chronicles today in chapter 29. You find your place there. I want to mention to you that um, this past Wednesday night we had about 500 people here on property, kids and parents celebrating the fall and uh, grateful for those who worked hard to make that night possible and uh, so many uh, left that evening just uh, offering thanks and and I just want you to know if you were not a part of that night, just something that happens here during the week on property, an event like that. And uh, each uh, week when you're praying for the church, when you're giving to what ministry is going on through the life of the church, it's just an example of ways that we're ministering to the community and looking for opportunities to connect with people that need a local church. And uh, thank you for your generosity and being a part of something like that. Uh, some of you are here for the first time. Jason mentioned earlier opportunity to meet out in the commons, and I hope you would do that. I'd love to be able to put a name with your face and say hello to you uh, there before you get away. Some of you have been attending here for many weeks, maybe considering membership. We have our next membership information class a week from today. It's at 5 p.m., here on property, you register for that ahead of time at watkinsville.org slash membership. Love for you to be there. Here's some more information about what it looks like to be a member at Watkinsville. And uh, you don't have to decide that night. You may decide that night, but it is a chance for you to hear a little bit more about the life and history and future of uh, what God's doing through Watkinsville. And don't miss the fact that this Tuesday we get the opportunity to vote. Uh, a lot of you have already taken advantage of that and remind you of the opportunity that we have uh, to do that. And uh, don't miss that this coming Tuesday. Before we look at First Chronicles, I want to invite you to bow and let's pray together. Father, our singing today in so many ways has has been a prayer that has already started. We worship you. We are, as we sang, here for you. Lord, we, um, we bow and we sort of catch our breath after listening these, lifting these songs to you and say with our words, with our attention, you're worthy of our praise. You're deserving of thanksgiving. All we have comes from you. You've been good to us more than we would ever know um, or more than we know what to do or what we need. You know. You know us and you provide and gracious, generous, merciful. God, we worship you as one of as the one that's all-knowing, all-powerful. Thank you for your word today, a passage of scripture that's hundreds and hundreds of years old but is alive and uh, 
Holy Spirit, would you take the word and minister to hearts, to our church family as a whole, and then, Lord, personally, individually, convict and change us where we need to be changed, transform us. Thank you for Thank you for coming, Jesus, and making a way for us to be saved, for our sins to be forgiven. We thank you for your life and your death. We praise you as a resurrected king. We look forward to your return. We commit this time of study of your word to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. A few months back, I sat at a lunch table with a member of our church family, a young man and a husband, a dad. We were having conversations about some job changes that he had um, prayed through and considered, and I was asking him about some of those job changes and how he made a decision about what to do. And I listened to him explain the process of how he went about making that decision. And as I listened to him explain the things that he and his wife were weighing and praying through in that decision, he made this statement. He said, my wife and I were praying and we, we realized with whatever job we took, we wanted to be able to at least maintain our current standard of giving and then he went on talking and I just was staring at him and I didn't hear much he said after that and I said called his and I said back up just a minute did I hear you right I thought you were going to say you wanted to be able to maintain your current at least your current standard of living I thought I heard you say you wanted to at least be able to maintain your current standard of giving. And he just, yeah, yeah, just kind of humbly explained that. And he, said we, and he just started talking through that. And I've and I got to tell you, that, that happened several months ago, earlier this year. And that statement by that man in our church, I have not been able to get over I, I thought to myself, in some ways, as I've, I've moved away from that conversation, it was, you know, there's a little bit of something in me. So, wait a minute, I'm the preacher. You're not supposed to be doing that to me. And, and, I, and I realized that that statement began to be something God was working in my heart and stirring in my heart. And, and I was asking myself, have I, have I looked at, life and jobs and income and wages and places with anything that's related to my standard of giving. That single statement has challenged me. It's convicted me. It, it, and ultimately, it's altered me in my own personal standard of giving. A big part of what happened in that conversation is where we are today. And I want to take a few messages and look at God's word together 
in a series of messages that I just want to call the standard. The standard. And I want us to think about our standard of giving. How's that established? What weighs into that decision? I was listening to another man in our church who's nearing retirement, and I was explaining some of what I was going to be talking about today and a few Sundays ahead. And he said, Pastor, our, our church family, they need, to know, uh, they need to know about the experience of giving. And he said, they need to know how much joy is involved in the experience of giving. And so I, I stand before you here today in some ways bringing to you a message that has, without question in my heart, originated with the Holy Spirit, but has been generated through the conversations of people that worship with you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. What I see when I begin to read through God's word is that the standard of giving has been established by God. And so I want to speak to you this morning for a few minutes about the standard God established for giving. Every one of us have some standard of giving. We make decisions about what we're going to give and and where that's going to go and how much that's going to be. And we, we earn. Uh, the, the, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament tells us that God has given us the ability to build wealth. We, we work. We have jobs. We have incomes. We have possessions. And we also, in that, have a standard of how we spend, how we save, and how we give. And I want to show you from God's word that this standard for giving needs to begin at the place where God has established, where he has established what it means to do and have and steward possessions. Look in First Chronicles and I want to read to you a prayer. It is a prayer by King. It is a prayer by King David. And it is a prayer that is in the context of leaders of the Israelite people coming together and giving uh, a, a, an offering as a group of leaders to, to build a temple. King David had it on his heart that he wanted to build a temple. God says to King David, you're not going to build the temple. And we come to 1 Chronicles 29, and you back up to 27, 28, 29. You see chapters where King David is nearing his death. Solomon is about to become king. And King David is transferring truths and values and and passion about what's important and he demonstrates this through his own giving he demonstrates this in bringing the people together and talking about giving and and as he gets ready 
by the by the end of by the end of chapter 29 you see David's life is recorded as being over and the last thing here recorded about David's life has to do with God's provision God's ownership his people's standard of giving so in this context they have given this offering it's a chapter that has the word wholehearted or wholeheartedly or whole heart mentioned at least three times and after they've given listen to King David's prayer verse 10 therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly and David said blessed are you O Lord the God of Israel our father forever and ever Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. So let's look at together from this passage the standard that is established by God and this standard that is established by God is tied to three foundational truths three foundational truths before we ever make a decision about our standard of giving let's look and see what we learn about God number one all things belong to him. When I tried to uh, describe to our worship team this week what I would be addressing, I, one of the words that I said, I just want to give you, I just want to put this word in front of you when we talk about 
God and the standard that he has established is the three is, is the word all all and the first thing we see here is that all things belong to him and we may hear that and say I've heard that before I've believed that before I'm currently operating according to that we'd be in a lot of different places but let let today serve as if not the first time you've considered that, a reminder of this truth that all things belong to God. Look in verse 11. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. He, he starts listing out in his prayer these words. And I, I made a list of the different phrases that he described what God owns. Listen to these words. Greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty, kingdom, exalted, head of riches, honor, rule, make great, give strength. All right, you hear those words? Who was it that was writing those words? Who was offering that prayer? Who was it? Participation moment? David. What role was David serving at that time? He was what? When you look at these words, what I hear are king words. If I ask you today to describe what does a king do? How does a king operate? What does a king possess? And we would start using words like majesty, power, rule. If he's a king, he has a kingdom. Strength, a decision maker. He can decide who's great. He can decide who's small. He can decide who's in charge, who's not in charge. A king is great. You look at a king and you see what surrounds him. You see all his glory. What King David does as he looks from his position as king who literally did have all those things physically on the earth and he acknowledges what is the real truth is that everything you might see that I would have as an earthly king God is really the king He's the Lord. He's the sovereign one. And in his prayer, the king says, God, this is not my kingdom. This is your kingdom. If we learn nothing else this morning except that one truth, you and I aren't building our kingdom. We're a part of his kingdom. We're a part of him being great, him being glorious. He's the ruler. He's the one that holds the victory. King David was, it was as if by him saying just in that phrase, yours, O Lord, is the victory. King David had been known as a mighty warrior that had won many battles and conquered many lands. And, and here he's saying, Lord, when it comes down to it, the truth is the victory's in your hands. And wasn't that exactly where King David started as a little shepherd boy when he stood before Goliath. 
he stood with a stones and a sling and he says the battle's not mine the battle is yours for yours O lord is the victory and what he's teaching us here is this standard that all things belong to god all of this is his it's his kingdom and when we look at this truth that all things belong to him it changes us from being an owner to being a steward it changes us from being a an owner to being a manager to taking god this is yours and we're caretakers of what really belongs to you how many times have we heard our young children grab a toy grab a piece of food clutch it and say to somebody beside them one word there it is right there mine 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 and king david could grab the whole kingdom at this point hey he, he, don't you see he said i'm dying and y'all are fortunate to have what i have built but instead of clutching the kingdom and saying all of this is mine he says all of this is god's he's the one worthy so what does that mean for us something that was written thousands of years ago is still true today that the things that we look around in our world our houses our cars our kids our clothes our families our friends our land our collectibles our shoes our jewelry our gardens our tractors our boats our guns all of that it all belongs to him tis it's the standard that god has established number two not only are all things do all things belong to him but we learn also in god's word that all things are from him they are from him look at his prayer he says verse 14 but who am i who am i and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly. You know what that question is? It is a question of astonishment. It is King David looking at what had just happened with the people rejoicing and celebrating the opportunity to give. They gave with their whole heart. And, and King David looks at this experience of giving and, and it's like he's saying to God, why would you be so good to us? That you would allow us to have these things to be able to offer to you. He was astonished by their, by their ability. Who am I and, and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you. And of your own have we given you. He's, it's A few days ago, my, one of my daughters traveled to Alabama to see another one of my daughters 
for the daughter here to go to the daughter there for that daughter there to do her hair. And my daughter here was going to be charged by my daughter there in her salon to do my daughter's hair that was here. And I learned that I was going to get the privilege of helping my daughter here <laughs> pay for my other daughter to do her hair. I'm still confused by that. <laughs> and I bring it up a little bit because I'm still confused about it. <laughs> but something in there makes me want to say to my daughters, y'all are just moving my money around. There's something here where King David is saying, when we gave to God to build something for God, we were given to God what was God's to build something for God. There's something about that that leaves me like David saying, I'm astonished by this. For some reason, you have just put us in the channel of blessing you have just put us in the pathway of taking what's yours and giving it back to you for some reason but the impact of it was just for us to learn not only do all things belong to him but all things are from him do you find yourself astonished by the ability that you have to do things. Not the least of these is give. Notice he goes on, not only is he astonished by their ability, he says something here about abundance. Verse 15, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. Verse 16, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand as, and is all your own. He was aware of their abundance. And he looked and he said, the reason, that we're, what, what we're actually participating here in is that we have become the people that are abundantly blessed. It came from you and we're just simply returning it to you. This astonishment and awareness, astonishment of their ability to give, the awareness of the abundance of what they had to give, King David points out that both of those are a test spiritually. Hear me. Our ability to give and our abundance of what we have to give becomes a test spiritually for us. 
He says in verse 17, I know my God that you test the heart and you have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I've seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. And what he's saying is, God, your people passed the test. There was a test of not how much they had. The test was where their heart was. And the indicator of where their heart was and what they understood and believed in their heart was a testimony of uprightness. And you see this over and over again in Scripture, that how we handle our possessions, which are really ultimately God's possessions, are a great tester of us spiritually of where our heart is. And you would probably right now have many verses that would be coming to your mind from the New Testament that speak about our heart and possessions. For where your treasure is, there your what will be. Your heart will be. I think of the story of Zacchaeus. And when Jesus called him out of that tree and went to his house and Jesus spent that time with him and Zacchaeus became a believer, the first words out of his mouth that Scripture gives to us of a changed life and a changed heart was what he was going to do with his what? Money. What he was going to do with his money. God has used mission trips in other cultures to grow me spiritually. God has used sermons, the work of the Holy Spirit, to grow me spiritually. God has used suffering in my life to grow me spiritually. As I considered it this week, I realized that And I look at the times in my life where I sense that I've grown the most spiritually. It has been what God has done in my handling of money. What happens in my heart? What happens in my giving? See, all things belong to him. And he established, secondly, this standard that all things are from him. And then third, the result of those two is this. All gratitude and praise is due him. Gratitude and praise, all of it, it's due him. And King David does this. He, he rejoices with the people. He celebrates with the people. He acknowledges what the people have done. But verse 13 shows us, and now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. The context of him thanking God and praising God was in the context of people giving. This acknowledgement that all things belong to him and all things are from him leaves King David and the people in a place where they are saying to God, thank you for giving us the ability to give. Thank you for giving us this abundance to be able to give. 
It was yours. It is yours. And we're returning it to you as yours. The fruit of a life that sees that all things belong to God and that all things are from him is a recognition that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. And so in gratitude, we recognize what he does. He gives. And in praise, we recognize who he is. He is the owner and provider of it all. When you read through this and you match up who God is and what God owns and what does and what God gives, you begin to see that we are never more like God than when we are giving. It is a, it is a truth that runs throughout Scripture. It's a, it's a major tenet that God wor- God's Word wants us to see. Do you know, I'm, I'm leaning on the statistic work of others but I'm told that one out of every ten verses in the New Testament speaks to money and possessions I'm told that 16 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus spoke dealt with money and possessions and more than 2,000 references in scripture that address property and wealth. We realize that when we talk about a standard of giving, we're talking about something that God knows firsthand. Ephesians chapter 1, you could note it, but can I just read it to you? I'd like for you to just listen to it. Because we go from Old Testament, God owns it all, God provides it all. He's worthy of all praise and all thanksgiving. Ephesians 1, same kind of prayer starts, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. King David says, bless you, O Lord. Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, listen to what he's given. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also when you 
heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all now read those verses Listen, yes, God is worthy. Listen, and read those verses to remind us that when we give, we are, we are matching a standard that has been established by God who has given us not just trinkets here. He's given us treasures that last forever. He's given us a lasting inheritance. He's redeemed us. And here today, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the glorious gift you've received is eternal life. What a God. What a giver. So, in closing, what is your standard of giving? And I would offer for us together to build our standard of giving on the recognition that God owns it all and that God provides it all and that he's worthy of all gratitude and praise, which tells me that my first act of giving is not goods and possessions, but gratitude and praise. Deion Sanders, he's been in the news a lot lately. Some of you are too young to remember this, but 28 years ago, Deion Sanders came to Atlanta playing for the San Francisco 49ers. He had spent five years playing for the Falcons, four years playing for the Braves, and he comes back as a 49er in the Georgia Dome and he has an amazing game. And they interviewed him after the game. And his first words out of his mouth was this. This is my house. I built this place. It was pretty good. I was thinking about that quote this morning. Of him saying, this is my house. I built this place. And I asked myself this question. Where is the Georgia Dome today? <laughs> it's in a dumpster buried somewhere. <laughs> it just kind of speaks to me about 
things that we say are mine and we built. Maybe a better place to start would be us saying, this is his house. He built this place. It's all his. It's all his. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, would you save somebody here today? Hearing this good news of all that you've given in Jesus. And would you work in our hearts to set a new standard of praise and thanksgiving. It's all yours. You're the king. We're benefactors of your blessing. Let's worship.